And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Welcome to this Sunday edition of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns, and today I have a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. My name is Chad Smith. I'm also a contributor for Firebird Rising along with Dominic, and I also write for the SB Nation website, thebluetestament.com, which features all the Kansas City area soccer teams, including the Soul Park Rangers, who are the Phoenix Rising opponent, uh, coming up here in a few days. Well, thank you so much for being our special guest. And before we get to the Swope Park preview, we'll do what we usually do on our Sunday podcast. Just run through some USL scores and give a picture of what the table is looking like. So without further ado, we will get to that. Um, there were a few head scratchers this week. I don't think there's any way to beat around the bush there. But before that, I'll get to some of the games that were a little bit less surprising. Um, well, actually, there were a lot of surprising ones. April 11th on Tuesday, game of the week, Oklahoma City beats Sacramento. It's their first win of the season for the Oklahoma City Energy, and the goal came on a really, really incredible um, bicycle kick. So it's set up with this um, like flip header, long header, and then a ball gets flipped on in the box, and Miguel Gonzalez, you have to see this goal. It was on SportsCenter. I think it was even number one on Sports Center that night. Miguel Gonzalez with just a beautiful bicycle kick into the left corner of the goal. The Republic keeper had no chance on that play, and that gives Oklahoma City the lead. Sacramento tried to push for an equalizer, but it was not to be. Even though they had a ton of possession in this game, 66.5 to 33.5, but neither team could get a ton of shots on target in this one. Sacramento only has three on target. Oklahoma City has two, and that's a huge win for OKC. Then moving on to another game, Pittsburgh lost at home to St. Louis on Wednesday, April 12th, 2-1. They actually went ahead early in this game, but St. Louis rallied with two big goals. Another game from that day, Rio Grande Valley gets the win, 3-1 over Colorado Springs. That was a huge win for Rio Grande, getting them in the playoff chase. On Friday, April 14th, New York Red Bulls 2-3, Orlando City 1. Then to yesterday, the 15th, we have Harrisburg City 3, Bethlehem Steel 2, Charleston Battery 5-0 over Rochester at home. Um, Charlotte Independence 1, Pittsburgh 1. And San Antonio moved into first place in the Western Conference with a 4-0 win over Reno. And... The Ottawa-Richmond game ended up 1-0 to Ottawa, and this game was looking like it was going to be a 0-0 draw until the 79th minute when an absolutely sensational goal gave Ottawa the win on the road. 
I'm looking at the player who scored this goal, but it was just a one-time volley from midfield. You have to check out the USL account if you want to see this goal. It was Stefan Dos Santos off a header from Tucker Hume, and Dos Santos just ripped it from the midfield stripe, and it went in straight through the air into the goal um, for the big Ottawa away win. So, yeah, I, I actually caught that goal myself, and uh, I was uh, stunned to see that finish. I was that goalkeeper just way too far off his line. So. That's a really good point. But another point, is it just me, or have we seen some incredible goals in USL this year? You know, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, the, the quality of play is definitely improving across the league. 100% concur with that. Um, I'll dive into some of these games, too, on Saturday that were a little bit more eye-opening or head-scratching. Um, the big story from Saturday, league-wide, was probably Cincinnati getting a 4-0 win to open up their home season at Nippert Stadium and setting a USL attendance record, opening game attendance record, with 23,144 fans. This game was controlled by the start by FC Cincinnati, and it was Jibby Fall who got all four goals for FC Cincinnati. First one comes in the 35th minute, then he strikes again just before halftime, then right to start the second half in the 48th minute. And by the 62nd minute, he put his fourth goal into the into the net, leaving St. Louis with no chance to rally. Interestingly, St. Louis had more possession in this game, 55.7% to 44.3, but they could not muster a single shot on target. And you got to compare that to FC Cincinnati. They get eight shots on target from this game. So it could have even been worse for St. Louis. Um, you can't really feel too bad as a St. Louis fan. They had been on a really nice streak, gotten a big away win at Pittsburgh, and they've, they've had a few great wins this year. So not a really tough one for them. It just happens. And if you're traveling to Nippert Stadium for their home opener, you're probably going to have a bad time. Um, That's a great point. I mean, right now, I think the only thing stopping Cincinnati from getting an MLS team is just just a stadium because they've already shown they can support a team. They're supporting a USL team with MLS numbers. Um, I saw... No, that's totally true. Uh, the USL Twitter said that FC Cincinnati's home opener was the second best attended soccer game in the US last night. So, yeah. Yeah, that is a, that's a great sign for that team. Moving to some Western Conference games that were a little bit eye-opening. One big result was Colorado Swing, Colorado Springs getting a huge win over Real Monarchs, 2-1. It was Real Monarchs' first blemish on an otherwise perfect season. In fairness, as we had mentioned last week, Monarchs hadn't played a great schedule to start the year, not a very difficult schedule to start the year, and this would be their first test, and Colorado Springs made them pay. Two early goals in this game, one on a great strike from Mastunabal catcher, 
really early on. This was in the 15th minute. And then a penalty in the 19th minute from Aaron King. And so right away, Monarchs was in the unusual position of being behind. And they pulled one back in the second half. They pulled that one back in the 60th minute from Sebastian Velasquez, who has been an active presence in all of their games. And they still couldn't put too many shots on target, though. 69.2% possession, which might come from Colorado Springs just sitting back, letting them take the game to them after getting that quick 2-0 advantage. But, I mean, a really, really gritty defensive effort to hang on. Real gets 21 shots, but only 5 on target, and 5 on target for Colorado Springs. And, I, I mean, just a good effort for Colorado Springs that puts them right back in the playoff hunt. And I don't think you worry too much as a Monarchs fan, because that that kind of a game is bound to happen after you start 3-0 with 9 points. So, any thoughts there? You know, I've been real surprised by the Monarchs this year, actually, because they have been one of the uh, poorer-performing MLS2 teams. Yeah, well, MLS2. Uh, you know, the MLS uh, affiliate teams here. And they've really been stunningly good for the first few matches of the season. So uh, that's got to be a, a bright spot there for Real Salt Lake, especially considering how bad uh, their MLS team has been. So. Hey, they did win last Sunday, though, in the snow. Don't forget. Uh <laughs> And Real also suffered uh, in added time. Uh, Charlie Adams got his second yellow card. He's going to serve a one-game suspension in their next one. So that's a tough loss for Real. He's a crucial player in their starting 11. Um, Moving on to another result. LA Galaxy 2 lost again. This is their third straight defeat after two straight road losses. A lot of people are thinking they can come home get a decent result against Sounders 2, and instead, this is another game where two quick goals in the early going doom the team trying to come back. So in this one, it's Felix Chankum in the 7th minute for Seattle 2, and then Nuhu Tolo in the 12th minute. So right away, Galaxy on their home pitch is playing from behind. They were able to pull a goal right right before halftime from Ethan Zubak, who had the finish against Rising last week. So good to see him being active, but a really composed performance from Sounders 2. They actually won the possession battle in this game, Um, and I'm looking at their shots. They had many more shots, more shots on target. Galaxy actually scored on its only shot on target. Um, Pretty interesting to see Galaxy 2 struggle. They've traditionally been one of the better sides in USL. Yeah, I would agree with that. That is, that is an interesting point worth noting. As the senior side has gotten older in recent years, some guys move on, some guys retire, and they have been dealing with some injuries too. So a lot of those Galaxy 2 players have been going up to the MLS side. Uh, that might be something to keep your eye on as the season progresses. But right now, they are, they are well out of the playoff chase. Very interesting. And for Sounders 2, after a tough start to the season, that's now their second win in a row. So... With all that being said, there was one other very important game last night, and this is going to be a nice segue into your expertise. 
This was Sacramento Republic on the road for the second straight time this week, and this time they were going to Swill Park. So take us through that game. Good, good points, good observations, and we really appreciate that. A couple things. First off, this is a very safe space for self-plugging, so feel free to plug yourself as this goes on. We do that all the time, and uh, we'll just run through the Western Conference table right now since you were alluding to that. So in first place, after four weeks, we have San Antonio FC with 10 points from four games played. Then it's Real Monarchs in second place with nine points from four games played. Sacramento Republic, with five games played, has nine points. Swope Park, with nine points, and only three games played. Then you move down to the bottom half of the playoff teams. Colorado Springs, with a huge win, that gets them right back into the playoff picture. They are at eight points, with five matches played. Keep in mind, one of those two wins was the infamous Tulsa game that got overturned because of the ineligible sub. Rio Grande, in sixth place, with six points two wins and two losses. Orange County in seventh with six points, two wins and a single loss. 
And rounding out the top eight is Seattle Sounders 2 with six points from four matches played. And then just below that cut line, you have Vancouver Whitecaps 2 with four points of three matches. OKC Energy getting that huge win. They're up to four from four matches played. Rising with three points from three matches played. Galaxy 2 with three points from four matches. Roughnecks on three points. And then bringing up the rear, Reno with a single point and Portland with none. Any any uh, surprising takeaways from the table thus far? Um, you know, looking at it and remembering back to last year's playoff standings, there's only three teams that are currently in the playoffs. If, you know, the season we're in today after such a short amount of time. Um, San Antonio, I believe, Real Mart, and Sounders 2. Uh, so a lot of the same teams that we've seen at the top of the table before are still up there. And then, um, you know, it's so early in the season, so just two points separates eight from ninth, and even the bottom of the table, you're only two wins away from being in the chase. So it's not like it, it's not going to shuffle them out a lot more as the season goes on. Right, and, and I think some examples to that too are you have teams like Tulsa, Phoenix, and Vancouver that have only played three matches. And then you have Colorado Springs. Yeah, they're up there in fifth, but they've already played five matches and they've had eight points. So you're totally correct. Things can change just as the number of matches played evens out a little bit. But for me, one thing that just jumps out, Galaxy on a three-game losing streak and Timbers 2 with nothing to show for four games where they've been in it every time. They just lose by one goal. And those are two USL sides that generally have been much better in years past. Will that continue? I don't know. But with all that being said, we ran through this week in review. So let's get to the Swope Park preview against Phoenix Rising. So thank you for running through the last match for us. And now I just want to ask a few questions for people that might not be familiar. What would be Swope Park's greatest strength as a side? Yeah, so um, it could be a bunch of things. I know we were talking earlier, potentially their defense. They've been holding teams pretty well. Um, what I'll actually say, though, is just the organizational system that they have in place there in Kansas City between sporting Swope Park Rangers and then the Sporting Kansas City Academy. Um, they all play the exact same system. It's a 4-3-3 across the board. And then players are rotating in and out all the time. You would think you would want to be consistent and play the same lineup over and over. If you look at Sporting Kansas City, they've played the same lineup every game this season except for when Benny Jailhopper was hurt for two games and he was out. But Soul Park has been the exact opposite. They've trotted out a different lineup every single game. Different players from Sporting have been loaned down every single game. And then a lot of young academy guys have even gotten some time on the field. So I just think that this system is so ingrained in, the, in their brains and their minds over there that from all the way down to the really young academy, all the way up to the senior team, they play the same way all the time so that they're able to plug these guys in and they can come in and have good games despite the fact that, um, you know, this might be the first time that lineup is together. And, and literally all three games they've played a different lineup. So you're saying the system is responsible for the success. You definitely see it at the MLS level too. Sporting Kansas City near the top of the table. They had a huge 1-0 away win at Timbers yesterday. 
Um, who's the mastermind behind this? I mean, it, it has to be Peter Vermees, and he's kind of the head of everything, being both the technical director and the coach of Sporting Kansas City. And uh, I've seen features and pieces over the years where you know he's involved all the way down to these academy guys. He knows their names. He watches their games. Uh, that that has to mean something and carry some weight and kind of make everybody believe they have a chance to get up to the top level. So, um, I mean, that's what sticks out to me because uh, Soul Park was only their second season. Their first season, they went all the way to the USL Championship game. And then this season, they have a brand new coach again because their, their coach went off to coach the San Francisco Deltas, Mark Dos Santos. Um, and they're still looking quite successful. But uh, I guess we'll see as the season goes on and they actually hit the road if that Fair enough. Uh, Another question not relating to the on-field product as much. I see the attendance for last night's game with one of the best USL sides in town, very potentially a playoff preview, and only 1,002 fans go. I understand that attendance is lower for a lot of MLS reserve sides, but I mean, as a Phoenix Rising fan, and I've seen other franchises too, like Tulsa, that are just dying for a really strong side, I mean, you guys seem to have an, a really exciting USL team. Do you think that the support will increase if this success continues? You know, that's a great question. That's something that kind of has surprised me over the first year plus of so Park being a team. But then the more I've talked to people about it, it just it kind of seems like the team doesn't really care if the games are attended. It's all about developing these young guys to, to potentially be players on Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Peter Ramirez talks about how he has a dream of all people, all 11 players in the starting lineup being players that came up through an academy or through their youth systems or through Swope Park. So um, as much as I would love to see these games attended better, and I'll promise you if I still lived in Missouri, I would absolutely be attending these games because they, they play such exciting soccer. Uh, I don't know that the team is, is that worried about it. Um, I'm sure you heard the news about the USL starting a new third division here, and uh, I want to say... 2019, and I would not be stunned to see Swope Park drop down to that division because their current stadium doesn't even meet the 5,000 seat capacity requirement of a Division II uh, team like under the U.S. Soccer Pyramid. And what is the capacity for the Swope Park Stadium? You know, I do not know off the top of my head, but I want to say it's like 3,500 seats, and you have to have 5,000. Okay. Well, enough about stadium talk. I'll get back to the uh, on-field product. So you mentioned that the greatest strength is the system that Vermees has established. Do you see any weaknesses in this Swope Park side? Um, yeah, almost as a byproduct of that, that system and their willingness to play anybody on the field at any one time, is, I think that could be a problem in terms of uh, not getting the consistent time together. Park will tend to skew very young from time to time. Uh, they've been playing since 17 and 18 year olds through the first few games and eventually they're going to run into teams like Phoenix Rising or like many of these independent USL teams that tend to skew much older and much more experienced and that youth is going to probably lead to some mistakes happening that might not happen if you played a more consistent lineup but again I don't I think Swope is willing to potentially lose some games to 
Okay. And what uh, let me rephrase that. Who is one player that has been a regular in the starting 11 for Swope? One player that rising fans should keep their eyes on when Swope Car comes to visit next week. Thank you for the heads up. And with that all being said, I'd love to move into how do we see this game going next week for both sides? For the From the Rising perspective, after two difficult early season losses, they played by far their best game of the season in a 2-1 win over Los Dos. Now you have the news of Didier Drogba officially being on Rising. I doubt he actually gets any playing time against Swope. But the crowd should be fired up. It, it could end up being a sellout. And he would, I expect, be introduced in some fashion. So I would expect the fans to be really hyped for that. Rising might be starting to mesh as a team. And they do have a whole week off to prepare for this Swope Park match. And for Swope Park, it's, it's their first away match of the season after three home wins. So with that all being said, how do you see this one turning out? Um, you know, it's a, it's a good question, Dominic. It's actually... Uh... Well, I want to bring up a point. When, when we were uh, at the last game together, when we were up in the press box, uh, you were saying uh, Phoenix Rising had some very winnable games coming up, and you had mentioned Soul Park, and I, Soul Park just looks so good. Like, I'm not sure how winnable this game really is. Now, you never know. To be fair, to be fair, I was cons- I was uh, really talking more about Reno and OKC's, the winnable games, oh, this one okay. being tough. <laughs> yep. I, I believe you mentioned Soul Park, but okay, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, it's the Phoenix Rising team we saw against Los Dos was a completely different team than the team that had played the prior two weeks. And I know Frank Yellow had been saying that they had rarely even worked on tactics. They were mostly focused on fitness. And, you know, maybe the team's finally coming together and it's just going to be, they're going to start running rush out of the league, which would be great to see. Um, but uh, it, it'll be intriguing. I, I have to hope that Alessandro Rigi gets another start. He looked fantastic. I felt like he really opened up the game for Phoenix Rising. But Swope is just so consistent, and they're so so stout defensively that um, no matter what, they're going to be a tough team to break down. They do give up goals here or there. I'll be intrigued to see who actually plays in net for them because they've played two different Swope, or, I'm sorry, Sporting Kansas City keepers, uh, Adrian Zendejas, who's been fantastic 
only game he's ever lost is the USL Cup last year. And then Andrew Dykstra played yesterday, and he looked pretty good. But um, he's been um, basically a career-long backup in Major League Soccer, and I was actually kind of surprised to see him get loaned down over Zendejas to appear in yesterday's game against the Republic. Yeah, those are all great observations. Rising is one of the more difficult teams to uh, predict because their first performance, middle of the pack, second one, it didn't look like they could beat anyone that game. And then last week, they looked like they're world beaters. So I guess I can go first with a score prediction here. This game, as you mentioned, Swole Park does have a tough defense. They are tough not to crack. I could see this one being nil-nil at halftime, and then maybe Swole Park gets a goal early in the second half. Because Rising, in every game this season, they've had a couple moments where they look shaky in the back and almost either give up a goal out of nothing or a really good goal-scoring chance out of nothing, just a brief lapse in, in uh, concentration. I could see Swope scoring a goal kind of like that, even if Rising has a little more possession. But I think Rising would have enough to then respond and maybe get the goal to end it in a 1-1 draw. That's, that's how I see this one going. But then again, I saw the matchup against Los Dos going in a 1-1 draw kind of direction, and we pulled out the three points. So what do you have to say? You know, predictions in soccer have to be like the hardest thing. I, I consistently have to write these previews for the sporting Kansas City games, and um, I guarantee I did not predict them going into Portland yesterday and, and pulling up a road victory. So it's so hard to know from game to game. Um, but if I'm forced to pick, I feel like Swole Park is just in such good form, and they have so many different pieces. If it goes like you're saying and they and Phoenix Rising were to give up an early goal, I think it could get ugly because they play so beautifully off the counter. They're so fast. So um, if Phoenix starts to open up and push forward to try to get a goal back, it could leave big holes. Um, if I'm forced to choose, I would say probably a 2-1 victory for Smoke Park. Now everybody's going to hate me, but uh, I like Phoenix Rising too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate the honesty. And as you were saying before, Swole Park is in the best form of anyone in USL right now. They're the only team with an unblemished record. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if, if Swole Park just comes out, gets an early goal, and they even really get us on the counter a couple times, and it could end up 3-0. You never know with these games. So many times it comes down to one moment. Um, but thank you for your honesty. And since you've been here and been such a gracious guest, I will give you one question that's right up your alley because I know that you've written so much on MLS expansion. What do you think of the impact, the impact that Drogba's signing will have on Phoenix's MLS chances? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I feel like it can do nothing but help, right? I mean, it just shows how serious the ownership group for Phoenix Rising is about getting to Major League Soccer. Um, yeah, you, you referenced that I write these monthly expansion pieces, kind of updating all the things about MLS expansion, mostly focusing on the, the 12 teams that are fighting for a spot, but, you know, touching on LAFC, even though we know they're coming in Miami, which we think are coming, I don't know, maybe someday. Um, gosh, it, it'll be intriguing to see. I, I think things are off to such a good start. If Phoenix Rising keeps selling out their games and, and the signing of Drop is only going to help that, um, Things just look so bright. And uh, since you mentioned Drogba, I kind of wanted to swing back to that. I got to tell you, I, don't, I wouldn't be stunned 
kind of guy that can come in and he can change a match. He's put in so many goals throughout his career. And when he arrived in Montreal, you know, what a season and a half ago, he was so fantastic just coming in late, even stealing a goal here and there. And that's a real threat that a team like Swill Park has never seen a player of that caliber. You know, they're, they're mostly young kids that have been playing against other academies and USL clubs. So to have a, a player of drug doesn't caliber, even if he's 39, you know, he's going to be a threat to score at any moment. Certainly. And if you had to give a number, what kind of a number would you say on Rising's chances? And just so I'm not leaving you totally out on an island here, I was thinking before the Drogba signing, it was about 50-50, and now I'm feeling like 70, maybe 75%. Not a slam dunk, but I have to like our odds at this point of getting in at some point. Yeah, you know, I think that's probably not too far off base. Um, I put out my, my power rankings uh, last week for the, with all this updated news, and, and that was like a day before the Drogba news. So um, at that point, I had Phoenix up to third in the sense of getting an MLS club uh, behind FC Cincinnati and their amazing attendance and billionaire owner and San Diego who has nothing but beautiful weather and, and great plans. So, um, yeah, I, I think 70-75 is probably not too far off. Maybe even a tick higher. I mean, it's by far the largest market of anybody looking to get a team and they are the second largest media market. I was stunned that Tampa Bay St. Petersburg is, is a larger media market. But, um Well, thank you for that answer. Thank you so much for your time. And for all listeners, please follow Chad Smith at PlayFor90 on Twitter. That's play 490 on Twitter. And do you want to give any more self-plugs? No, I feel like you did a great job at it, Donovan. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Anytime. You are always welcome as a guest. Thank you. Take care. You too. And that'll do it for this edition of the Rising is One podcast. We will be back next Monday for a recap of Swope Park versus Rising. Usually it's going to be Sundays, but with the game being Sunday night, we're going to move it back one day. So thank you all for listening.